Good morning, what's happening? We are continuing our series with the homily today. Uh, our series is called, When the Dust Settles, How the Messiah Journeys with the Other. And the goal of the series is just to ask the question, when differences and difficulties arise and anxieties begin to brew, brew how do we enter in calmly and faithfully with love with different types of people, our socio-political other, those leaving the church, the hurting, the forgotten, those in dark places. Today we're talking about the kiddos. Again, we're looking at Jesus' teaching and practice. How his teaching of love from the Sermon on the Mount plays out on a street level. And one of the principles we have in this series that transcends the series is connection before correction. That before we have words with others, whether those words are exhortation, rebuke, critique, honesty, maybe even apology, we want to connect with them, communicate love and value before we correct the relationship. The theme against connection before correction. So if you are a follower of Jesus, part of our faith is to see ourselves and others as God's children. In fact, spiritual maturity is one of becoming more childlike while losing our childish ways. We are called to grow and cultivate a wonder, be curious, and learn dependence as followers of Jesus. Thus, we are to see each other as children of God. And I see, as I preach and I speak to you, a generation of children in front of me, generation that God adores, generations with different ages, and of course, different stages. And as we think about that, different generations have received different messages. Some generations were called to stand up and greet anybody at the door. If you're a kid, you need to stand up and greet any new adult and offer them water. You perform well or deal with the shame of failure. But politeness is key and impoliteness is wrong. Another generation was told to go out and play. Come back for dinner. If you need water, there's no water bottles here. There's a hose spigot at somebody's house. Figure that out. Uh, that generation is taught independence. They must survive but also struggle with a nomadic, sometimes even lonely lifestyle. Of course, there's a more contemporary era, maybe is the right way of saying it, modern era, postmodern or post-postmodern, where the emotional health of kids is primary. And because their confidence matters, you don't keep score, potentially everybody gets a trophy. And the goal is a kid's high self-assurance, but ironically comes with low self-resilience. Books will be written, continue to be written about parenting and kids. Suffice to say, there, there's not one perfect parent, not one perfect parenting strategy. Um, there hasn't been a perfect parent born in the last couple hundred years, but there is a perfect rabbi that lived 2,000 years ago. and This is what he said about children. This is Jesus, of course. In Matthew 18, we've been in a series that's traveling through the book of Matthew, so I'm staying with Matthew. In Matthew 18, it says this, verses 1 through 6 and 10. Also, we'll jump to 19, verses 13 to 16. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed a child among them. And he said, Truly, I tell you, unless you change, you become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. 
See that you do not dispose, I'm sorry, do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. And a little bit later, at a different location, this is what happens. One chapter later, moving from Galilee into Judea. Matthew 19, verses 13 to 15. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Verse 14, Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he placed his hands on them, he went on from there. A child is brought to Jesus the second time, and even after hearing his words about welcoming one such child in his name, they instead rebuke the child, maybe the parents. And Jesus instead welcomes them. And I think in these moments, when we think about the disciples making this mistake, we can very well want to hassle them. But consider all the times that we hush children and tell them to keep quiet, particularly in church. What message does that give them about church? Shh, quiet. Don't have fun here. Don't run around and play with friends. This is serious. I mean, consider what that message does for a kid when it comes to their worldview of what church is. Jesus stops and gives these kids space because Jesus loves them. Jesus stops and gives them space. He loves them because he knows his words, his actions, and his inactions are the message. And that's our principle today. For our kids, our lives truly are the message. And you hear that phrase a lot. You probably hear it a lot in churches. St. Francis of Assisi. Share the gospel in all things and when needed, use words. And uh, sometimes that can mean, all right, just live a life of love and that'll be the gospel message. And a life of love requires words. It requires action. But as we consider kids, the way we live our lives truly is of the utmost importance. For kids, our lives are the message. So what is the message our kiddos need? This is where I wrote somewhat of a syllabus. Maybe a better way to say it is a table of contents for a, a book on the messages our kiddos need. A theology of kidding is a way that I, I think about it. So what messages do our kids need? They need to be blessed by God's word spoken over them. This encapsulates both God and scripture. Um, this is why child dedications are so important because the parents think of a scriptural word or words um, that they would use to encapsulate the life of their kids. And sometimes we think like we don't know scripture. It's too foreign to us. That's more for the professional clergy. But sometimes all we need to do is just consider, is there a phrase or a word that we've heard in church or over time that we're drawn to? And does that word apply to our kids? You know somewhere in Paul's letter, I think to the Ephesians, maybe another church, it's like he says that you're God's workmanship. Another translation is you're God's masterpiece. 
What if that was our kid's phrase, that you, my child, are God's masterpiece, created to create masterpieces? Uh, Kids need God's words on our lips to be spoken over them, to bless them. Next chapter will be a message kiddos needs an adult who knows that they're always loved, telling them that they're always loved. This is encapsulate the theology of, again, God and, and humanity. What does it mean to be human? Like our primary identity uh, as adults is not a parent, not an engineer, not an accountant, not even a spouse, not even um, a pastor for me. My primary identity is a child of God. And all roles that I do have as a husband, as a father, and as a pastor, as a friend and a neighbor, is, is, is subsequent to my primal identity as God's child. And as God's child, I want to speak to all of God's children, especially the ones who are very young, that they are indeed belonging to God. What messages do our kids need? They need adults who can ask for forgiveness. This encapsulates the theology of sin. Um, and a lot of times we tell our kids to say sorry. We ask our kids to fess up. We tell them to tell the truth. We like to call them on their mistakes. And there is a time and place for this. But honestly, we rarely consider our mistakes directed towards our kids or even just in general like hey I did this this was wrong I I need to ask for forgiveness and when kids have parents who ask for forgiveness and they have adult figures in their life who ask for forgiveness then they know that's something that is a real need in life there's no way we can enforce apologies if we aren't free to apologize We need to ask our kids for forgiveness. There are things we do and don't do that negatively affect our kids. There are ways that we fail to love them, to sin against them. Next chapter. What messages do our kids need? This is chapter, I believe, four (laughs) in our theology of kidding. Adults who talk about their need for Jesus. Adults who are free to drop on their knees and say, Lord, I need you right now. Lord, and kids, there's times where I feel alone and I'm so glad the Holy Spirit's with me. Times when things are so tough and so crazy in the home, we just need to ask God, hey, Lord, I need your help right now. My kids may be giving or may be crying, wanting something. There's dishes to be done. I'm watching these kids. They seem fairly irascible. Lord, I need you right now. A lot of times we think about our prayer time being something that is done alone and that is indeed a good space to recognize God's presence so clearly and that presence going with us in our day but there's other times our prayer times need to happen right in the middle of the day right in front of these sweet kiddos chapter 5 kids need adults who catch them doing good this is this idea of sanctification kids need adults who catch them doing good I just want to name that I have a dentist, and I love my dentist. Want to know why? Because he always calls me on the good. Sometimes when you go to the dentist, they 
you can never floss enough. Like, you'll floss twice a day, and it's still not enough. My dentist, he just tells me, man, you've been doing a good job. You've been flossing, huh? I'm like, yeah, I've been flossing. I've even been rinsing. I love my dentist calling me. I've been doing good. Um, the world wants to call us on our mistakes, but we all crave to be called out, to be named for doing something good. It's the purpose that's inherent within us. And so we want to call our kids on doing good. Not just calling out and doing bad, but to call them out on the good that they're doing. Calling them on it, naming it, and instilling that purpose that they are so designed for. Next chapter in the Theology of Kidding. What messages do our kiddos need? They need adults who are free to be sad and cry. They need adults who are free to dance and sing. Our children need adults who are free to be sad and cry as well as adults who are free to dance and sing. This is theology in part of the Holy Spirit. Some days are hard. And our worldview doesn't guarantee constant comfort or happiness. There's lasting joy that undergirds our life. But this pleasurable satisfaction that is happiness comes and it goes. There are days that are hard. Sometimes at the basis of our worldview, it's the truth that we can suffer alone that's a life without God. Or we can suffer with God and others. That's a life with God and with others. Kids need to know that. Our worldview does, does guarantee hope, which is why we can sing and dance even in the midst of our tears and sadness. Both matter. Kids need to witness both. Next chapter in our Theology of Kidding, what messages do our kids need? Message need adults who tell them what we've learned in church today. This is the church, theology of the church. Kids are constantly asked, hey, what did you learn today? What if they had the freedom to ask us, hey, auntie, uncle, Mr., Mrs., mom and dad, what did you learn today in church? What did you learn? And then you share the truth as well as the wonder and mystery of, of what God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, conveyed through the word, through the prayer, through the communion, through the liturgy. This is what God showed me today. I need to ask for forgiveness from you. There are times I mess up. I, I just realized that. God revealed that to me today. Praise God. Can you forgive me for not realizing that earlier? And let's dance and sing that God has given us this truth today. Next chapter, big chapter. This one's a theology on heaven and this one is kids need the message that play is okay kids actually need the visual message that adults can play for a child there's so much purpose in play it's in many times it's the first place where we discover our god-given gifts uniqueness and even the seeds of our vocation uh, we need like kids to play together, we need to play apart on our own. We need to play, and we need to let kids play. Join them in play, let them play on their own, let them see us playing. Playing matters. So in the church, again, let them dance, let them play, let them sing. Resist hushing them, or that message becomes the message of what church is and maybe even what heaven's like. Should church be a place where you're hushed, or a place where you played. If this is a theology in heaven, hell is likely a place where play 
does not happen. People choose not to play. Lastly, this is a theology on mission. Conclusion, maybe, even to the theology of kidding. What messages do our kids need from adults? They need a welcoming home for them and others. Our little ones, our lives is the message. For our little ones, our lives is the message. And, and do our words reflect Christ's hospitality, Christ's love? Do our actions, our day-to-day, reflect the kingdom? A kingdom of joy, a kingdom of purpose, a kingdom of welcome. Our homes need to be a place that welcome our kids, our church home, our homes, and not only our kids, but our kids' friends. That matters to our kids. This is their smaller community. Hopefully it will become their church by God's grace. And it doesn't stop there. Our homes need to be welcoming of all kids, kids who are hurting, kids who are at risk. And this is where I'm going to invite a few people up who've taken up God's invitation to welcome a child in Jesus' name at their home. We're going to spend some time with uh, some of our aunties and uncles, our safe families who have welcomed kids at home, talking about how God has invited to challenge them, serve this way, what was it like to serve uh, for the first time, do you remember moments where God showed up, how did this serving of welcoming kids in your home affect not only you but your family and your neighborhood, how did God minister to you, how can we continue to serve even if we can't have kids in our home. There's so much here to talk about. Unfortunately, we did not record this session. This session, my encouragement was, uh, would continue to be is, uh, when we have social days like this, make sure you come to church. Make sure you come to church every Sunday. And uh, I would also encourage you to talk with our aunties and uncles, Casey Faulkner, Matt Faulkner, Chris and Steph Collado, Susan Velguth, she helps out so much, Claire and Bernardo Romero. Uh, Courtney and I are also available to talk about safe families. We are really stoked to participate in that ministry. And uh, yeah, it was a great Sunday. Um, I think as I, as I end this sermon light, this homily, I, I would just convey that our lives are the message for our kiddos and for others. And I think our Safe Families ministry is one of the greatest discipleship opportunities for our family, where you're in real-time mission, supporting God's work of loving our neighbor. It's a mission that's completely dependent on God. So some next steps for us today is to become an auntie and uncle, to dedicate your child to the Lord and be baptized to affirm the words, I am God's child whom God loves and with God, with me, God is very well pleased. I love you all. Have a great, great day.